I welcome you back to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttle, so very thankful that we can be together yet again. Today we are recording episode 17 of season 6 of Weathering the Storm, and we are in part 2 of a small series entitled The Power of Prayer and the Importance of Accountability. If you have your Bibles, I invite you back to Nehemiah chapter 9 as we focus in on verses 20 through 38. Here we're going to notice how God is recognized, God is exalted for His faithfulness to His people, and what a great reminder that is for us that God is faithful even when we're going through difficult storms. Before we dive into the text, I want to say another quick word about the Scattered Abroad Network. If you haven't already, we invite you to subscribe to our master feed where you can find all of our podcasts. You can visit our website, scatterabroad.org. You can reach out to us via email, thescatterabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we are trying to spread the gospel in as many possible ways as we can and use every possible avenue that we have. And so thank you so much for listening. To this podcast. Thank you for listening to all the podcasts on the network. We greatly appreciate you. And I hope and pray that this podcast, this season, uh, this episode here today, I hope that all of it together will help you in your walk with the Lord as you weather the storms of life. Again, today we are in part two of this small series on the power of prayer and the importance of accountability. And so we're going to pick right back up with this prayer. So With that being said, if you weren't able to listen last week, I encourage you to do that because we read the first part of the prayer. And so if you want to make sure you get the whole prayer, uh, you can go back to last week. And certainly I encourage you to read this and meditate on this for yourself. But we'll just simply begin by reading the rest of the prayer and then share some concluding thoughts as we close out a part two of this series. So Nehemiah chapter nine, beginning in verse 20, and as always, I'm reading from the New King James Version. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them, and did not withhold your manna from their mouth, and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations, and divided them into districts, and took possession of the land of Sihon, the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess. So the people went in and possessed the land. You subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might dwell or do with them as they wished. And they took strong cities in a rich land and possessed houses full of all goods, cisterns already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat, and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs, and killed your prophets who testified against them, to turn them to yourself, and they worked great provocations. Therefore, you deliver them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them, And in the time of their trouble, when they cried out to you, you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers who saved them from the hand of their enemies. That, of course, would describe the time period of the judges. 
But after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore you left them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you delivered them according to your mercies, and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and they would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them, testified against them by your spirit in your prophets, yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them, for you are God, gracious and merciful. Now therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God, who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us. Our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers and on all your people, from the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us. For you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Neither our kings nor our princes, our priests nor our fathers have kept your law, nor heeded your commandments and your testimonies, with which you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom, or in the many good things that you gave them, or in the large and rich land which you set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked works. Here we are, servants today, and the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty, here we are, servants in it. And it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us. Because of our sins, also they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure. And we are in great distress. And because all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests, seal it. That is the end of this prayer that is offered here in Nehemiah chapter 9. And again, we mentioned that not only is it recognizing and glorifying the God of heaven, but it's also teaching all these people who have come back from captivity. It's teaching them the fact that what happened to them was exactly right. You know, and God was just in what he did. They sinned. They did wrong. And, and the people throughout history, they can look back and see it hasn't changed. You know, the people that were that were guided, that were that were led by God through all these different storms and all these different trials, when they came out on the other side, instead of staying faithful, they went right back into sin. And that's what we've read about. And this has really been a great history lesson uh, through chapter nine. You know, it goes back to God's promise to Abraham. It goes back to the Exodus there in Egypt. It goes back to how they were in the wilderness those 40 years and how they lacked nothing, how God fed them with manna, how God gave them water to drink. He gave them kingdoms and nations. It talks about how they were over, overcome the land of Sihon and, and, and the land of Og, how their children were multiplied, how they were growing, how they were fruitful, and how God just blessed them beyond measure. But then in verse 26, we see that transition. It says, Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you. 
and and really there's some strong language here that is applicable to the religious world today, unfortunately. It says, they cast your law behind their backs. In other words, this is behind me. I don't want nothing to do with it. And I hear people today say, well, the Bible's outdated. You know, it's old. That was for people way back then. It has nothing to say to me today. Not applicable to me today. Uh, Wendell Winkler once said that the Bible is just as fresh as today's newspaper. And that's exactly right. It is just as applicable today. And if you have questions about that, read this prayer again and see if it doesn't describe uh, some today and how they treat God. Amazing to think about Israel and and the, the similarities, really the parallels with even Christians today. But notice it says, they killed your prophets who testified against them. That was the point. They were saying things they didn't want to hear, and so they said, well, we're just going to kill them. We don't want to hear it. We're just going to silence them. And today there's so many who silence God by silencing the preaching. But you notice at the end of verse 27, it says, When they cried to you, you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers. Again, I mentioned as we were reading through it, that would reveal or that would refer rather to the time period of the judges. We just finished a study of the book of Judges here at the Quitman Church of Christ, and I've been very thankful to go through it. Because it's been an eye-opening study of the parallels between what happened then and what happens today. You know, and there's that oppression of apostasy, and then they repent, and they cry out to God. He sends a deliverer. They're delivered. There's peace. And then they go right back into sin over and over and over again. Thirteen different judges or deliverers that you read about. And it's just this cycle over and over. And then there's that verse that's repeated. Judges 17.6, Judges 21.25. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so as we're reading in 26 and 27 of Nehemiah chapter 9, we're reading a commentary on the book of Judges. This is what happened. They went through storms. They went through a lot of them. But the one constant through all those changes was God's faithfulness. Verse 28 says, After they had rest, they again did evil. So you left them in the hand of their enemies. In other words, you didn't send more deliverers and saviors to get up and lead them because they're going to do their own thing. And God allowed them to to go down that path. We are free moral agents. God's not going to force us to submit to Him. And so He allowed them uh, to fall into the hand of their enemies. But they returned and cried to God. He heard them. And many times he delivered them according to his mercy. So it's not that they were worthy of it. It's just because God's so merciful and loving that he, he sought the needs and he helped them. He delivered them so many times, but they acted proudly. They did not heed God's commandments. They sinned against him. They shrugged their shoulders. They stiffened their necks. But verse 30 reminds us, that God had patience with them. He testified against them through his prophets, but they wouldn't listen, so he gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. That would refer, of course, to the captivity. Very present, very very uh, present on the people's minds, you know, very applicable. They, they just 
went through this very recently. So they, they refer to Assyria. Of course, that would be Israel, 721 B.C., when they went into captivity. But certainly the people of God, the, the, those in Judah, consider the, the Babylonian captivity. They just got back home from that. Seventy years. But they needed to be reminded that it wasn't God's fault that they ended up there. It was their own. They created their own storm by not submitting to God. But God was able, because of His mercy, His long-suffering, and His promise made to preserve that seed line to bring the Christ into the world, He brought them back. He brought them back from the storm. He was faithful to them, even when they weren't faithful to Him. And that's the point that is brought out there in verse 33. It says, However, you are just in all that has befallen us. So again, they're confessing and they're realizing, all right, this storm that we found ourselves in is a self-inflicted storm. We put ourselves in this situation. So you are just in all that's happened. Now, God is exactly right in what he does, and that's always the case, Genesis 18.25. But then this phrase, you have dealt faithfully. We have done wickedly. That, that is something that needs to be brought out. You know, and, and among the people, among the nation of Israel, the trials, the storms, a lot of things that they went through, they did it to themselves. And unfortunately today, a lot of the storms and trials that we go through, we do it to ourselves. Because we're, we're not listening to what God says through His Word. Like the people are described here, we, we, we harden our hearts. We stiffen our necks. We take God's law and put it behind our back. Because we replace what God has said with things that we want to do. And that's not new. I mean, that's been going on for, for a very, very long time. People are going to do what they want to do. And we have to make the decision, you know, are we going to stay faithful to God? He's going to stay faithful to us. He's going to be faithful because that's his nature. But he's not going to force us to be faithful to him. That's a decision that we have to make. And if we don't make that decision, then we're not going to be successful in weathering the storms of life. We've got to be humble and we've got to be willing to submit to God because he's going to be there. And that's what this whole text really is teaching us and reminding us and certainly teaching the people there. The things that they went through is because they didn't listen. They didn't submit to God. They were disobedient. They rebelled. And so God, in his justice, allowed them to bear the consequences of their actions. But when they came back to him, he was there waiting. And he was merciful. So as we focus in on the end of this, verses 36 and 37, we have this phrase, here we are servants today. In other words, that they say, okay, we, we understand what has happened to us. We understand what happened to our fathers and why it happened. And we don't want to make the same mistakes. We want to do what's right. We want to weather the storms the right way. And again, we go back to the power of prayer and the importance of accountability. That, that's really what this is about, and that's why I entitled Part 1 and Part 2 with, with, with that statement, or with those two statements. When you are accountable for your own actions, and you humbly go to God in prayer, then you can find the solution. You know, we have that in Matthew 7, 7, ask, seek, and knock. An easy way to remember that is ASK. 
Ask, seek, knock. Ask. Go to God. Continually go to Him. There is power in prayer. And the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open under their prayers. 1 Peter 3.12 So if you're living in harmony with the Word of God and the will of God, and you ask things in harmony with His will, He hears you. And He'll respond. Sometimes it's not the answer that we're looking for or that we think it should be. But God hears. He hears prayer, and there's great power in it. In fact, the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think, Ephesians 3.20. So the peace that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus as we go to God in prayer, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. But I won't really tap into the power of prayer if I'm not accountable for my actions. The people that came back from captivity needed to know where they stood. They needed to understand that we're back home because of God's good graces. We're out of captivity now because God brought us back. He's long-suffering with us, and here's what He expects in return. He wants us to keep His commandments. He wants us to love Him with our hearts and our minds and our soul and our strength. He wants us to live for Him. And by doing that, they can have liberty. They don't have to go back into captivity. They don't have to be going through all these hardships. They don't have to endure these storms that they're going through because a lot of them, again, were self-inflicted. And friends, sometimes we, we, we create our own storms by simply not listening to God and doing our own thing. And so a lot of different lessons that we can learn from this episode and last episode going through Nehemiah chapter 9. But the one big takeaway for me is, is don't create your own storm. Stay true to God. Stay humble. Stay focused on doing His will. Stay in the book. And make sure that you remember when you go through the history of the Bible and you go through you know, what people went through, there's great lessons that we can learn. Romans 15.4, right? The, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. We, through patience and comfort, the Scriptures might have hope. We can have the hope of eternal life. We can have the hope of getting through storms and ultimately arriving on heaven's shore if we will stay faithful and stay true to God. I thank you so much for listening today. I thank you for your time. I thank you for uh, the encouragement that you have sent me for the prayers. And I, I, I covet your prayers. I pray that you'll continue to keep me and this podcast and this network in your prayers. Uh, and we just want to help. We just want to help people. And, uh, Glorify God by doing that. So, again, I thank you for listening today. I thank you for listening to this season. Uh, as we continue on in the text, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 10 next week as we look to episode 18. But again, I hope that this episode, this series, this season, this study is helping you in your walk with the Lord and helping you to weather the storms of life. Again, I thank you for listening, and may God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.